0: Welcome to Mindful Conversations with Kay. I'm Christy. And I'm Kelly. We are both moms, educators, kidding around yoga teachers and trainers, and now podcasters.
1: In this podcast, we will talk about using research-based tools and strategies to help increase mindfulness, self-awareness, connection, self-regulation, and peace in your home or classroom. Join us weekly for some fun and insightful conversations where we will take a deep dive into all things kids' yoga and mindfulness.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mindful Conversations with Kay. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Christy. How are you doing today? Doing good. Got some uh, Halloween decorations up. We've... uh stocking up on the Halloween candy. Uh so you know we're we're feeling a little festive over here. We have a little competition with our across the street neighbor to see who can deck out their yard the best. Every year
1: I, I love I love it. You're always you're you've always got your big giant spider behind you. Yep. We, yep. Know, we will always know when these episodes were recorded based right. on your based <laughs> on your decorations behind you.
0: That's right. <laughs> I have
1: to say though I'm I'm avoiding buying the Halloween candy yet. I'm gonna oh. wait wait it out because oof, it's tempting
0: <laughs> see we keep ours we, we put ours away in the closet and it's and it just kind of hangs out there until until day of and then it gets well that, that that's the goal anyway my my yeah. hope is that the kids and the husband don't stumble across it and decide they're going to just bust yeah. it <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's the thing. most of it i can stay away from like i don't like there's not a lot of Halloween candy that really tempts me. I'm more of like a pure chocolate, like a high-end good mm, chocolate. <laughs> and we don't buy that for the giveaway stuff. Right, so. No, no, uh-uh. That's not in the Halloween bowl. <laughs> I can mostly avoid it unless I see that little Snickers. Oh, I do love me a good Snickers. <laughs> I have a sweet tooth, so I, I, I love a lot of it. <laughs> so. And then you know what I happens? Have to hide
1: it from myself.
0: You, then you know what happens when I eat it? I feel I feel a little shame. I feel a little shame. Hey, hey, hey there you go. You always do we do it. Go. <laughs> See? I would find that sound. I didn't even know it was coming. It just it just <laughs> it just snuck up on me right there. Hey everybody, we're talking about shame today. Talking about shame and shame and guilt and toxic shame. Um it's an interesting topic and and I as we got into kind of some research and looking at, um, you know, shame versus guilt, they seem to be kind of, uh, some, you know, in my mind it was kind of interchangeable, but then as we dig in, there's actually a difference between the two, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was. I found interesting too. Cause yeah, I would,
1: I would think that they would kind of coincide with meaning the same thing. And I guess they bring up some of similar feelings, sure. right? Feelings of like, you know, um, of, of being wrong or, you know, having humiliated for some reason, but really I, when I was looking at the research, the difference between guilt and shame, guilt is more, uh, when you've done something wrong that you can repair. Whereas shame, I find now that I've researched it a little more, that kind of runs a little deeper and it becomes more about like, you as a person that you feel you, there's something inadequate and there's something wrong with you
0: as a person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As a person that that's that, and that can't be, you know, that, that, that can't be rectified. Like something that if you've done something wrong, you can repair a relationship or you can correct a, you know, a mistake. Whereas the shame really just feels like it's at your core of, you know, the person that you are.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're there they're different things, but the interesting thing though is that shame, I mean, that's something that can really start early. It can start in childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the other research um that I was um
1: thought was really interesting. They said a lot of feelings that of shame that we have as an adult actually stem from experiences and messages that we received in our childhood, which is really so important for anybody who has kids or works with kids to really understand because those messages that we're giving those children, really, they're going to take those with them for the rest of their life. And just as we have, and some of that can really turn into some deep-seated shame.
0: And, and, and children really are not, uh, quite as able to, to separate, um, the, their, their feelings like from their, from their self-image. So they experience these feelings and then they think they're a bad person right. because of that. So, so the kids haven't quite figured out that. Yeah. That they can separate well, I think that that
1: really comes into play a lot when we think about, um, uh, not validating a child's feelings so when a child is having a big emotion like if they're really upset about something and they're crying and we're we're giving them the message that that's nothing to be upset about you shouldn't be crying right now there's nothing scary happening here that's you know if we can we send them that message that the feeling that they're having is wrong
0: That's when they start to become shameful about those emotions. or or Why are you acting this way? You shouldn't be acting this way. You know, only, only, you know, babies act that way, that kind of thing. And so then they start internalizing those, those messages that they're getting. And then they start thinking they're a bad person because of these things that they feel. Yeah. And then the messages that we send
1: our kids eventually become the self-talk that they, they tell themselves as an adult. Right. So all of the, that inner dialogue that we have going on, a lot of that stems from messages we received as, as children. And so what we're telling our children today is what they're going to start telling themselves, you know, into adulthood. So it's really something to be aware of.
0: And it can really um, play out in, in, in harmful ways. I mean, shame can, it can lead to depression. It can lead to, to anger because, you know, when they're feeling shame, they may try and deflect it and, and, and then just lash out and, and, you know, be angry towards other people, but, but, you know, depression, anxiety, all of these things uh, can come up as a result. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: There's a strong link that they have found in studies between depression and anxiety and, and feeling shame. Um, There's also physical responses to shame that, that they found in studies like high blood pressure and, you know, other, other physical ailments um, that we experience have been linked to high levels of shame. Mm -hmm. So it, it can affect, you know, your, your full experience, both mentally and physically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. And then, and then you, you think about these things that, that, that you start feeling and, and. I think over time, that's when this, this whole idea of toxic shame starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, so toxic shame, um, comes from constantly being told you're not enough. It, it results in kind of this negative, negative self-talk. Yeah. Negative self-image. I, yeah. I mean, a little, when, when I was reading
1: about shame um, and, and I hadn't thought about it like this, but they, it was talking about like a little bit of shame is normal. That's like, it is a normal emotion and it yeah. can be a healthy emotion. if it, it doesn't turn toxic. It's actually what helps us stay kind of on our moral compass, right? Yes. You know, it's yes. it, there a healthy amount of shame, right? Makes us not litter or not steal something or you know because you know we we know that that is that is wrong and so a healthy amount of that is socially um you know healthy and actually because we are social beings and we want to be um connected to others and feel part of the group and feel included um really that's kind of how like that works, you know, like if we have a healthy amount of shame, it helps us to stay connected because we won't be shunned by the group and we won't feel, you know, that we're not included. So, but then once it turns, like you're saying with toxic shame, once it turns that corner and becomes, you know, overtakes your self-image and your self-worth,
0: that's when it really becomes unhealthy, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, when, when you're feeling these these things, then you, you can start to withdraw, you can start to, you know, have these, these physical symptoms, anxieties, so eating disorders have been linked to that, you know, mm-hmm. feel, feeling shame, and then turning, turning to, uh, you know, those, those types of uh, disorders. Um, so, so when we're, when we're thinking about it, it's interesting, I, so much of what we talk about uh, with mindfulness, and, and the the physical body, becoming aware of your physicality, you can start noticing when, when, when physically, when things are happening, when, when these big emotions are happening. And, and when you think of shame, you think of the body position of, of mm-hmm. somebody who's feeling shame, eyes down, kind of shoulders slumped forward, your head's down. You know, you think about when you feel shame, what you do and you kind of look down, Watch you sort of, with- yeah, yeah. And you sort sort of withdraw to- and mm-hmm. all this. And so, so when when you are more physically connected, you can start to notice like, oh, geez, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling shameful about this, and then reach out and make a connection and start having conversations about that because we we do tend to bottle that up and stuff that emotion, but that's not healthy. We've got to. Be oh, able right to. and that's yeah that you know a lot of people hold
1: all different kinds of emotions in sure. and, and aren't great about expressing their emotions but they in this research it said shame is the one that we really push down the deepest and that's yeah. the one that we really have the hardest time talking about but talking about it is one of the best ways that you can overcome
0: mm-hmm. that
1: um, mm-hmm. you know that emotion
0: yeah you know I think about a yoga class, and one of the things that I'm always telling folks when I'm teaching a class is notice, notice what comes up uh, when you're in a particular pose. What do you say to yourself because that's that's when you mm-hmm. can really start to notice self talk like and in and, and negative self talk like if if something's challenging for you or if you start comparing yourself to other people like, well, I should be able to do that or why can't I do that?" you know so notice those things that come up um you know when 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 you're doing, it. And, and these are things we can talk to the kids about like if we're doing some yoga poses with kids, like you know understand like what sorts of things are going on in your head? What are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself you're not strong enough? You're not, you know, not flexible enough, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's real important to start noticing the self-talk that goes on um, as a result of, you know, feeling yeah. these things, shame in particular. Yeah,
1: and I think meditation can help us with that a lot too. For Getting sure. quiet and then noticing the thoughts that come up and kind of like paying attention to that and then trying to, um, replace those negative thoughts with more positive thoughts. And, um, recently I, I, in, in looking up about shame and, and looking up about how, you know, how we can help our children not to have this toxic shame and, and feeling negative about themselves. I, I was coming into a bunch of different articles about, um, ADHD and dyslexia and how we approach those things with children. And that's a, a big portion of the population. I mean, there's one in one in five people in a room have dyslexia. And so um, they were, you know, I, I'm actually kind of excited about the way things are turning because um, they're really starting to look at some of those things like dyslexia and ADD and kind of flip the, what used to be a negative and flip it on its head and like turn it into a positive. I was listening to this doctor talk about how he, um, when he has a child being diagnosed with ADD, how he um, talks about it with them and how it's so different than they used to say, like, um, you know, you're hyperactive. Well, you know what? That's energy. You, you, You have a lot of energy rather than saying like you're hyperactive, you have a lot of energy. And he was saying, I tell them that they have an engine of a Ferrari. And oh, like, it's amazing, because, right. And they have like so much power behind them, but they, they have the brakes of a bicycle. So all we have to do is to get, to help them to learn how to use their brakes and make their brakes a little bit more powerful to help them to like harness this really powerful energy that, that they have. And I was just like, That's that awesome. is amazing. Right. And he was saying, we say that they're distractible. They have distractibility. Well, guess what? That's the, on the other side of the coin is creativity. You can't be creative without being spontaneous and like, and curious and looking around. And so I, I just loved the way that we're starting to flip things on its head and look at the positives of some things that we used to think of as, as a negative and the same thing with dyslexia. I'm so excited because one of my children is dyslexic and so um this is like means a lot to me but actually on linkedin now they ha- actually have during on your skill set you can put dyslexic dyslexic thinking because they're saying it's actually a positive that companies want people who have dyslexic brains because they think outside the box they can yep. see things differently they're really great problem solvers and i just think it's so amazing that we're going to be able to kind of like take all these things from when we were kids that were mm-hmm. such negatives and yeah. a lot of those kids who struggled in school with those things have a lot of shame because they just, um, they were interviewing somebody and, um, he was saying he was like a really successful, I forget who it was, but he was like a really successful person. And he, he created, oh, it was the, somebody with JetBlue And he like created the first like electronic ticket. Yeah. And he was like, when I like first, like it it realized it was going to work. I didn't drive home, like feeling like on a high that I just like invented this amazing thing. I still was that person who was terrible at school, driving home, like still feeling that shame. Right. So it's like, you know, I'm excited for us to like flip this around and start to sort of lose that shame that so many of us feel from, from like things that we would think are struggles and turn them in to superpowers and positivity.
0: So I think then really teaching your kids how to practice self-compassion
1: mm-hmm. and how to
0: notice when they start that negative self-talk spiral that we can get into. So that those are, you know, and I think we've done whole episodes on, on self-compassion and, yes. and, and 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 then self awareness just being aware practicing these mindful techniques um, are going to be so helpful for uh, for these kiddos but also for us too as adults as we always say it starts with us and you know setting that example for the kids of how are we talking to ourselves how you know are we labeling ourselves as bad or as you know not not good enough or whatever it is and then also practicing mindfulness so that we can pause before we react to our child in a way that might be yeah. detrimental you know so the mm-hmm. kid is having a meltdown you know before we snap and lose our cool you know yeah. take that breath and then just try and figure out what it is that they're communicating to us through their yeah. behavior right and even if we do snap and lose our cool having the mindful
1: practice after to go and repair it and because yeah. that will happen as as yes. as we are human
0: <laughs> yes yes for sure yeah great stuff well listen i i am excited we're going to we're going to continue this conversation um we've got uh, we've got a uh, a couple of interviews happening this month and um we're going to we're going to continue this conversation next week with um, just kind of moving forward from this and kind of living authentically. And, um, we're gonna have some other good conversations around this topic. So, uh, we hope that you will stay with us this month as we continue this conversation. So as always, lovely to see you, Kelly, and great to uh, be having this conversation. And we look forward to next week.
1: Thank you for joining us for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to subscribe and give us a written review to help us reach others and share all the benefits of kids yoga and mindfulness.
0: If you want more information on all that Kidding Around Yoga has to offer, you can find us at KiddingAroundYoga.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Kidding Around Yoga. We will meet you back here next week for another fun conversation with Christy and Kelly.